Hello and welcome back to the Basement Breakdown. This is episode four, I believe, after Notre Dame's decisive victory over Virginia. Um, and we look ahead to Bowling Green this Saturday. Sure to be a fierce matchup. Um, but first, we'll recap Virginia, get right into it. And Hayden Adams was there covering the game. So, Hayden. Yeah, so... Uh- Virginia, the one thing we knew going in was that Bryce Perkins was the biggest threat. He uh, is dual-threat quarterback, one of only two players last year with 2,600 passing yards, 900 rushing yards. The other was Kyler Murray. Uh, So everyone knew how good he was going in, but they knew he made plays more with his legs. Uh, Notre Dame shut down the run game. I think Virginia had four net yards on the whole day. That was mostly due to eight sacks on Perkins. Um, But Perkins did a great job throwing the ball, especially in the first half. Um, Notre Dame got down 17-14. Virginia recovers an onside kick to start the second half. And then the defense just took over. Uh, Myron Tagovailoa Mosa had the play of the game, uh, just rumbling down the field, 48-yard fumble return. Um... Adi Ogundeji scored a touchdown off a fumble recovery. Um, Four out of Notre Dame's five touchdowns came as a result of a turnover the defense made, and then the offense went down and scored. Uh, And, yeah, Notre Dame ended up winning 35-20 against a really good Virginia team. I have to say, though, so you really practiced your pronunciations there. That was was very impressive. Big names on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, impressive win pretty much on all fronts. Uh, defense obviously looked fantastic, uh, eight sacks, and um, and they seemed really confident in the press conferences, especially Julian Okwara. I think he, he was talking about how he thinks they could do even more, which would be super impressive. And I, well, I just want to point out on a personal note, last weekend I was on a XM radio show, not to brag. But, um, flex. <laughs> uh, and one of the hosts, Tori Holt, former wide receiver, for, I forget who he played for, but um, he, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I said that Notre Dame would win by two touchdowns and may, and then some. And, oh, and, he got the side. And, and he, he, he had a, a bit of a problem with me predicting a two touchdown win over a ranked team. So just, just a note, Tori. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, other than that, yeah, that was a good rundown. Um, Did he play for South Jack. Carolina or? No, no, I think he, no, he put in the NFL, but, uh, uh the Redskins. Okay. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Totally. Yeah. I think that game was, it was a good bounce back from Georgia. Not huge takeaways. Um, kind of the same thing. Defense is kind of the anchor offense does what they need to. Uh, but Tony Jones had a big breakout game, which will be exciting, especially as hopefully Jafar Armstrong can make his return. They'll just, um, kind of keep adding to that tool set yeah. of options they have. And Aquara and Kareem came into the game with one combined sack. Uh, you just knew that that couldn't continue. I mean, there, there had to be a breakout game, and this was certainly that, uh, and then some. So, you know, two guys that were supposed to really produce in the pass rush uh, for the Irish this year, and, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll continue to be able to do that. Especially yeah. good that they stepped up since Dalen Hayes went down with the torn yeah. labrum, and he'd really been our best defensive end so far mm-hmm. this season. Even yeah. though he's their backup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, despite all the positives, you do have to admit the the offense looked a bit lackluster in the first half. Um, definitely some problems. Actually, a, a former 
I, I don't know his exact position when he's at the Observer, but Merrick, Missouri. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, sports editor and assistant manager. Okay, editor. there you yeah. go. Um, he, I saw an article that he had written this week, uh, and I think he's with USA Today. Yeah. And he said five things we learned from the Virginia game, and one of them was that Ian Book may be regressing. And it would be hard. I think it's hard to disagree with that after. Well, Trevor Virginia. Lawrence is too, so. Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, definitely a little, still a little apprehension from Book. We still didn't see him kind of take those shots downfield that, and that's something that's been a knock on him since forever, it seems like now. Uh, maybe he'll get a chance to do that this weekend, but there is definitely, you know, some concern from that first half from the offense. Yeah, um, I think you can't undersell the fact there's no quarterback controversy this year. That's just been a very long-standing tradition, I think, of Notre Dame, and the fact that there is no competition, I think maybe he's made Book a little complacent, so we're not mm-hmm. seeing the, the completion rate this year. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if we're seeing him regress yet. I, I think I'm still in the camp that he's – done what he's needed to do so far to give them a chance to win all the games they've been in. Um, you know, if, if things don't get better, then I think the word regression comes into play, but I'm not, I'm not sold on regression yet. I think people are really valuing the loss of Jafar Armstrong enough because part of the reason we struggled in the Louisville game is that the game plan was pretty fo- heavily focused on Jafar and he got hurt on the first drive. So they had to, like, scrap that. Um, I think the other problem, though, is that Book tends to – Book doesn't spread the offense around enough. He kind of focuses on, like, one receiver like he did yeah, with Boykin last year. Yeah. And he's doing it with Claypool this year. Um, Chris Fink has been a little um, underwhelming so far this year. Yeah, but he hasn't gotten a whole lot of opportunities from Book. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought after the Virginia game that we were going to see a Book – uh, commit connection like the Boykin. We did have connection. one. one yeah. Downfield right. Pass. So maybe that was wishful thinking. But um, yeah, nonetheless, I, I would agree with you, Jackie. I mean, he's definitely put us or put Notre Dame in a, a position to win every game. So I mean, you can't really complain with that. With, you know, it's always tough to find a quarterback. But um, I think it's fair to say he's definitely plateaued. Like, that's, that's <clears throat> he, he kind of had this like exponential rise, quite literally just being like thrown it, thrust into the spotlight. And we got to see that over the course of the second half of the season last year. And so now it's like things are settling down. We're no longer like amazed by every play he manages to pick up. So I think. And, and one thing I'll say about book two is a lot of fans last year wondered why is book on the field doing red zone and Wimbush on the sideline. It seemed kind of counterintuitive. The Irish are 14 for 14 scoring touchdowns when they get in the red zone. So that's one thing that I think Kelly and the staff have always known that for whatever reason, and I honestly couldn't explain why this is, but when the Irish get down around the goal line, Ian Book is really sound in that area of finding ways to punch it in. And that's been even when he was backing up Wimbush. Uh, so that's one area where there's been certainly some, some I don't know if regression, but a lack of, of moving the ball down the field. But when it's time for the Irish to put the ball in when they're tight, Ian Book's good at it. Book's thing is, is short high percentage completions. I, I, I was listening to a podcast, I think it was the solid verbal, and they've started using a term called um, Ian Bookifying or Bookification, which basically means a quarterback doesn't take any deep shots and just yeah. goes for the short yardage completions. Yeah. makes the game a little... 
and we do not tolerate Brandon Wimbush slander on this podcast. (laughs) But I will say that after watching him play a lot of games, the short throws, being able to complete them, it's nice. It's it's, it's consistently, consistently, consistently is nice. That is Jerkovic's problem, pretty much. Um, He's like Wimbush. He makes plays with his legs. He throws a good deep ball, but he doesn't throw it short very well like Book does. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I could go on for hours about how I, I wish Brandon Winwish was still on campus, but um, we have to move on. So, um, I mean, we could take a quick quick look at Bowling Green uh, if the masses want it. Um, <laughs> I mean, frankly, not very good at all. Uh, <laughs> I mean... Yeah, there's no, no sparing yeah, that. All, all due respect. Yeah, we're just being realistic. Yeah. It's just a 45 40 yeah, yeah. And there's not a lot to talk and about. I mean, they lost that. by 52 to Kansas State, who I think Notre Dame would be by 45. So I, I think 45 might even be a little generous for Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. Part of me feels like they shouldn't even play Book in this game, not because he, Ooh. he's Ooh. underwhelming, just because I don't want him getting hurt. Yeah, Chase I, Claypool tweaked his ankle. He, he should sit out this game. Trevor Lawrence was out in like halfway through the second quarter a couple weeks ago for Clemson, I think. I don't think you can. I don't think you can sit book. I mean, I think, I think you can definitely pull him early. Yeah, pull. Yeah, yeah. One, I think one or two series really. Is Ooh, enough. Wow. Like if they score the first two series, I think if we had if if we had a guy like Trevor Lawrence, yeah, I I probably wouldn't play him until the playoff. But like, I don't know. I, I need. I I would. I would really let book go wild like here downfield. Like I don't know. Just let him, yeah, let Some him confidence, if anything. I think another thing too is it's it's easy for us as people to sort of watch him from the sideline to say. It's an easy game and all that, but it just it, it sets a certain tone when you have your starters out there at the beginning. Of yeah, the game. absolutely. Yeah. Um, like you know, it's it's very easy for us to say it's a forty-five point spread. They just got blown out by Kent State, all that stuff. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the guys on the team have to actually go out and win the football game. And yeah. it just if you don't have your quarterback out there, if you don't have your guys out there, it just communicates that the coaching staff isn't really taking them that seriously. Yeah. It's easy for that to trickle down. Yeah. So I think that you know. I'm, I'm definitely on board with Book coming out uh, to ensure that he doesn't get injured. But I think that for the sake of – they still have to win the football game. Yeah. I think you have to set a certain tone. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like in last year's spring game, uh, like Kelly talked about how he made Wimbush stay in the pocket. Yeah. Because when people were knocking, Wimbush were scrambling too early. And even if it was it resulted in incompletion or throwing it out of bounds, he made him do it just to get used to it. I mean, you could do something like that with Book here. I think that would be good. To and that do. was Dracovic's problem. In yeah, the spring game this, this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. But um, uh, Bowling Green, I think they have one win, right? Yeah, Morgan, Over Morgan State. Morgan State, State right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're coming off three losses in a row. Um, I think the most telling stat is they've had ten touchdowns this year, and they're eight for ten on point after attempts. Oof. Yeah. And a homecoming for Brian Van Gorder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Back. Yeah. Yeah. So. He's had some good games in South Bend. Yeah. Yeah. Was he in 2015? <laughs> and 2016. Yeah. He got, he was part of the, uh, the, the. That, shut out against yeah. the, uh, the, I don't even know what to call it. The, was it like the post Duke massacre oh, of the coaching staff? That was, <laughs> yeah. That was an unfortunate. Yeah. Event. Um, yeah, so like we said, Notre Dame favored by 45 and a half, is it now? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, not much to get into roster-wise for Bowling Green. But um, so from that, we can look at the college football scene really quickly. Um, Michigan 
Plays yeah. Last week, three point favorite over Iowa. This yeah, week. Mm-hmm. which should be a really good game. Um, USC. What did USC do last week? I forgot. Uh, they lost twenty eight fourteen to number fifteen Washington. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, Auburn, yeah, Florida. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah. Auburn, Florida. Steve That'll Hamilton. be. Yeah. Duke destroyed Virginia Tech 45-10. Uh-oh. Both of, coming for us later. Both of us opponents. Yeah. Uh, I forgot we're playing Duke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stanford narrowly beat Oregon State 31-28. Mm-hmm. Um, on the bright side, it looks like Virginia could run the table, wind up in the conference championship. And mm-hmm. The way Clemson played against North Carolina, they could maybe that would give be big a run for, for us. money. Oof. Yeah. That would be something. Yeah. Um, yeah, and now we get into like like Auburn, Florida. Even though that's not like the biggest SEC matchup you could think of, uh, you start to get into where the the period where the SEC just you know yeah exactly. So now now you can really I think I mean now you can really get some ideas about rankings um, in the next coming weeks. I I think I think Auburn's really I think Auburn's pretty good. Unfortunately, I think they'll you know they don't have a chance just because of their schedule, but. I mean, I think they'll handle Florida pretty easily. Their to be defense honest. is elite. Yeah, Bo Nix is inconsistent. Yeah, definitely He's just too young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is you know all these SEC uh, games, high ranked teams playing each other. This is a great time of year for just conspiracy theory mapping, figuring out how the Irish can get in that oh, four hole. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, just just mm-hmm. really go down. We're rooting for chaos. Here. Oh, you really could. You I know, spend. I hope Auburn and Florida lose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I hope sp- both. <laughs> yeah. <this> game. Yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on the the five thirty eight college football playoff. They've got like forty something, right? They do, Which yeah. Seems odd to me. They changed their their model. I think we're at like thirty three, but they changed their model around this year to account for Notre Dame being independent, and all of a sudden yeah. our like chances skyrocketed. So yeah. I don't know, but huh. yeah, you could definitely Check if you out. if any of you want to go out there and just fiddle around with it, you can definitely boost your confidence. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, so other than that. Uh, it, it'll be it'll be a decent weekend for college football. Um, and let's get into fact or fiction. We're gonna keep fact or fiction kind of short this week, an abbreviated fact or fiction. Yeah. Um, but Hayden Adams did say before the podcast that he was eager <laughs> to, to to let you know what he's got in store for you. So putting words in my mouth. But, uh, uh, okay, fact or fiction. Clark Lee leaves after this season. Ooh, did didn't Clark Lee almost leave after last season, or am I making that up? I thought I okay. never heard anything. About maybe that. maybe not. But the way he's turned the defense around like yeah. this quickly, a right. young defense. Yeah, I think he keeps it up. I think he gets a really good offer after this season. I heard mm-hmm. someone say something about Texas A and M gonna go after him instead of Mike Elko. Yeah, um, oddly enough, Clark Lee is a disciple of Mike Elko. Mm-hmm. Though, uh, oh, so you think he'd leave to get another DC job potentially? Uh, to t- I mean, to take a power five job. Yeah. I mean, if he gets a better huh. offer, or maybe if he gets a group of five head coaching job. I don't. I'm going to say fiction because I am in the camp. I don't know that he leaves to take another DC job. That's kind of. And I, I, I also don't know if he leaves to take a group of five coaching because I, I think that he is doing the kind of job here that he could be a candidate for a power five head coaching gig in the next two, three years if things continue to go this well. And I, and I think that that's probably the route that he's going to take. But I also would have probably said the same thing about Mike Elko two years ago. So it's hard to say, but I'm going to say fiction. I think he holds out for a better head coaching job down the line. 
I could easily see him leaving. Um, I I would. I mean, it's hard to say facts because I feel like you know those things are so unpredictable. Yeah. But I would say there's like a, a, a especially if Notre Dame runs the table and the defense keeps it up. I think there's a good chance he leaves because for a guy like that who's turned around Notre Dame's defense, it it has to be frustrating to to. I mean, they made the, they did make the playoff, but you. I, I think at some point you've got to want more. And if you go to a Power Five school, your I feel like your chances of being in the playoff automatically go up. So I mean, yeah, I could definitely see it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go fact. Kind of a lot of the same reasons. I don't. Mm, I think maybe not staying in college, though. I think taking Ooh, a position at the okay. NFL. Oh, might be more interesting. interesting. I would say I'll say fiction. I'll say, I'll say with you, Jack. But I think not that maybe not this year, and maybe in, but in the future. Yeah, waiting for something to better become like I need someone's got to replace Jim Harbaugh at some point. <laughs> right, right. We'll see. Yeah. Um, okay. Do we have another factor fiction? Anyone? Anyone strongly? Well, factor you know. fiction. Our name covers the spreads. Ooh, that's a good one. That, yeah. Takes a straight up prediction. Um, I say fact. Notre Dame covers the spread by, and then some. I say 15 more points. Well, I forget my actual prediction, but I think we cover it. Yeah, for sure. Fact. Yeah. I think my prediction is the spread. Um, yes. But I'm going to say fact. I still think, yeah. Yeah, I think it's a fact as well. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, Bowling Green would not have covered against if it was 45 they wouldn't have covered against kansas state and now they come here and i don't think Notre Dame is kansas state i think yeah that, I, I i think i think it's a a good opportunity i just don't think vegas wants to put out numbers higher than that but i yeah. think that this is a really good opportunity for Notre Dame yeah to and especially i mean if you you look at one thing that really grinded my gears what these past few weeks is like ohio state is obliterating like these borderline high school football teams and everyone. And then on ESPN the next morning, Kirk Herbstreit is talking about how, <laughs> how dynamic and explosive they are. And it's like, yeah, they're explosive against like dudes who are 190 soaking wet. Like I don't think so. So, but, but, if, but if that is the criteria we're going to start to use or not even criteria, but if we're just going to start to take a 70 point win over Miami, Ohio, seriously, then Notre Dame needs to win by hey, they th- at least 5-0 to Miami, yeah. Ohio at the start yeah. of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I mean, yeah. But anyway. And I'm looking online now. If you go on bet now and place a $43,928 bet on the Irish money line, you can make yourself a quick hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> also an option. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For our Financial advice. Yeah. I'm Jack and Kevin. Are you a finance major? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I, I, think, I think that's good for fact or fiction. There's really not, you know, that much to get into this week. We want to keep it short. So we're just going to finish up with our predictions. And, <laughs> okay, I can start it off. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think it's changed after the Virginia win, but that's because I, I was of the camp after the Georgia win that Notre Dame, or Georgia lost that Notre Dame is a top six football team. And I think they just proved that again against Virginia. Um, the, uh, the first half with the offense was a little bit troubling. I mean, I've never been the biggest Ian book fan, so I guess it didn't like trouble me as much as other people, uh, as it did other people. Um, and I think like Jack said before, he'll put Notre Dame in a place to win every game that they have. Um, 
And I think that Notre Dame will take note of people, you know, praising Ohio State for beating these teams by 100 points. And I think they'll try to do the same thing. Um, but, I, but I also think that they'll probably take a lot of guys out in the third, fourth quarter just because it would you, you, you're going to have to. Um, so I think Notre Dame wins 65 to 3. Awesome. Um, yeah, I kind of envision this to be a little bit like a New Mexico matchup. A lot of like kind of flashy plays, new guys, guys getting looks at it. Um, I also think this is interesting because Bowling Green really has no strengths in this matchup, but their defense is a particular liability and Notre Dame's defense is their strength. And I'd say their offense is one of the areas that's in need of more improvement. So I'm <clears throat> fully expecting Ian Book, Tony Jones Jr. and kind of company to kind of show off some of that skill set against this defense, see what they can do, get their confidence back. I mean, not that it's shattered at all, but just kind of build on some of that momentum. Um, so I'm going to say Notre Dame 52, Bowling Green 7. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what can, what can you say? It's it's Notre Dame and Bowling Green. Uh, Bowling Green's defense is atrocious. They're – 111th out of 130 teams in total defense. They give up 450 yards per game, 100th in red zone defense, 120th in scoring defense. Brian Van Gorder is their defensive coordinator. Uh, oh, whoa. Uh, their special teams unit is not good. Like we said, they missed eight out. They've gone eight for 10 on extra points. Um, and I think they're like two, no, three for five on. Uh, field goals or something, uh, one for three. So, uh, yeah, Notre Dame's going to kill them, 77-7. <laughs> yeah, I have to say there's really no way around that. I listened to the press conference of the Bowling Green coach this week, Scott Lauffer, and he was just like, when you when your head coach can't even think of a single positive thing to say, that's a pretty tough place to come from. So they have a lot of – Holes right now, they have like they're like two people deep at every position, maybe. So, I think that they're just gonna get absolutely destroyed. I think Notre Dame needs to embrace the use of role players. I'd like to see everyone just get a million reps this week. Hashtag make ass off, or yeah. is that how you say it? Ass off, make ass off. Yeah, I'm not, my pronunciation's real good for some players. <laughs> Yeah, but I—I I mean, my prediction is Notre Dame fifty-six, Bowling Green three. But I could see this more like Notre Dame five hundred and sixty, Bowling Green three. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that everything's been pretty much hit. It's going to be uh, interesting if the cover is close late because it's probably going to come down to Brendan Clark's read option game <laughs> like against New Mexico, which is really something. Um, yeah, the only stress on that front is probably if Notre Dame really gets aggressive in taking their players out. But even then, I still think the cover is pretty – I think it's pretty secure. Um, you guys hit everything. I have Notre Dame 59, Bowling Green 3, uh, so I will stick with that. Sounds good. 